Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Welcome, everyone, to the Partnership Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Crawford, co-founder and vice president of strategic initiatives at impact.com. I'm joined today by Michael McNerney, the publisher at MarTech Record. Welcome, Mike. How are you? I'm great, Todd. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, the invite. Yeah, we're really excited about this series. I think it's going to be uh, really, really valuable for everyone. And this will be one of our first. So thanks for uh, jumping in early. So I guess for everyone, it'd be really good to kind of understand, you know, what is MarTech Record? Why did you start it? And uh, yeah, just give us, fill us in a little bit on that. I'm interested yeah, to... Absolutely. Well, I'll start with the end a little bit. And, and by saying, I appreciate you doing this podcast because really our mission is, you know, the idea that if you share more information about the industry, the industry grows. And so so I think this is a good example of a way to kind of evangelize uh, what we're doing and, and share best practices. Uh, but a little background on, on me and, and, and MarTech Record. Uh, I, I always say I, I don't know that much about affiliate. I'm really more of a publishing person. Uh, I started my career at McGraw-Hill, uh, and I was uh, responsible for their uh, digital media business. And they had a series of trade publication that covered big capital markets like aviation and energy uh, and construction. And uh, I like to say this was, you know, a particularly bad time to have that job. Uh, it was you know, as as the digital transformation was really starting to have uh, a fundamental impact on the industry. Uh, and none of the tools that we have today were there to you know, help fix the problem. And, and the problem was we had great content uh, and we had valuable products uh, and, and their value was, you know, uh, being diminished because we didn't have good tools to deliver them to uh, to the audience and and monetize them well, and uh, I ended up in the affiliate space and, and noticed that this was a market that there was tons of potential in. You know, there's there's you can apply this uh, underlying technology to almost any type of content or relationship, uh, but at the time it was really just being applied uh, in a fairly narrow way. Uh, and as it grew, uh, it, I observed that. There was very little information for someone who wanted to learn more, uh, for someone who wanted to understand what the different platforms do and what might be the best platform for them or uh, what service they should employ or or even just what strategies to recruit, onboard and kind of grow partners. Uh, a, a lot of that information was locked away in, in the heads of, of people in the industry. And my observation on industries is they don't grow unless there's a sharing of information. And then that's where a good independent trade publisher comes in. And so... Uh, you know, I, I saw the industry as growing, and I think that was a, a correct kind of view, uh, decided that it wouldn't grow unless there was an independent source of information and, and started MarTech Record. And so uh, our mission has been to uh, uh, provide an independent resource that uh, shares uh, product and service information. Uh, best practices and does that through kind of events and the web. So that's who we are. And, uh, you know, I, I think we got lucky to kind of join the industry just at the right time as, you know, all sorts of different types of partners are 
really using uh, these tools to grow their revenue and and marketers are starting to see that and and employ that across a bunch of different channels as well so we've got a lot of complexity and growth going on and excited to be part of it uh, hey i i really appreciate uh that you did this as well because i think it is really vital i agree with the sharing information I, I i've always kind of taken that approach like you know the more information the more people get it and learn from each other the bigger the pie grows yeah. right and, yeah. and that's to me really important i mean i started you know in, in partnerships back in the late 90s helping you know found one of the largest affiliate networks global affiliate networks and you know as that industry grew over 20 plus years it became you know more mature and, and definitely people were more aware of it especially affiliate marketing and then came influencers and now you're kind of branding all of that under a bigger umbrella of partnerships that are you know b2b and tech integrations and i mean I, i've been really impressed with the types of partnerships that are are coming out of this industry and the momentum. It's to me, the most exciting time to be in this industry. It kind of, you said that too. I mean, uh, you know, affiliate marketing was kind of, you know, old hat, old hat, you know, just, you know, was moving along, but, you know, and influencers kind of came along and, and that, that kind of added a little bit to it. But today I, I just seem, seems like there's really no limitations and it's just about how and when businesses embrace it. And really, really, and it's like I said, to me, being in the industry over 20 years, I'm, I'm most excited about it now. So that that's fun. Well, that's great for me here too. It's kind of an endorsement that what we're doing is, uh, at least we've uh, you know been able to predict a little bit of what's going on. You know, I, I think back to my first job was at a big ad agency in New York and it was a big branding agency. And I was on the IBM account and um, we would do these quarterly ads and I did not understand why we would do them, but we'd buy eight pages in the Wall Street Journal and just talk about technology and how technology was going to change the world. And this was, you know, 1999. And, um, you know, the IBM people, their point was, look, you know, we just want to make sure everyone kind of understands what's going on because we know we'll get our piece of the pie, right? And so they didn't mind spending, it was like a million and a half bucks a quarter on Wall Street Journal ads just to kind of evangelize what you could do in the future. And that always stuck with me. It was like, you know, if, if you can play a part in growing an industry by sharing what you've got, uh, you'll win in the end. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's true for publishers. I think it's true for manufacturers and software companies. And I think it's true for brands and agencies as well, um, you know, especially when you're in kind of high growth mode like like this is. So we're on the same page. Yeah, hey, I 100% agree. And I, like I said, I couldn't be more excited right now. So I'm kind of interested to pick your brain. Like what's top of your mind right now? You've done a lot with, with MarTech Record. You guys have put on a lot of events, a lot of webinars. You've got a Slack channel that people have been getting into and, and sharing information and news and, and other other things. But, you know, when you kind of look across the landscape here, like what's top of your mind right now? Uh, yeah, well, I think there's two things. Um, the first thing that I think about probably every day is quality content. And both from my own perspective is how do we keep improving the type of content we've got? You know, I, I think that we are in an industry that historically hasn't had great uh, content that covers it, whether it be analyzing what's going on in the industry or publishing best practices. Uh, so one, just my own perspective is how do we continue to make our content better and more useful? Um, and then two, looking at the rest of the industry, 
uh, and being encouraged that kind of quality content is starting to bubble to the top and starting to be monetized. Um, since we last chatted, actually, you know, one of the most exciting things that happened to me or happened not to me, but uh, that I observed was, you know, the wire cutter started charging a subscription fee, you know, and to me, that is like, if you could have told me 15 years ago at McGraw Hill that we'd be able to not only run an affiliate model, but charge uh, someone to read it. I wouldn't have understood, but uh, it would have been really exciting that, hey, this this really tough time for quality content that we're in has, a, you know, a, a, a good growth story in the end. So um, looking around and seeing that reviews that are independent and good are being monetized through affiliate uh, and bubbling to the top. And even now, you know, having subscribers who are willing to pay uh, is super encouraging as I sit around and think, how do I make the next article a really good article, you know? What it does is allow me to go hire a better editor, right? It allows me to think into the future and say, I'm willing to spend more money and time making sure these reviews are perfect uh, because I can see in the future that you know there, there's value there and I can get paid for that. Uh, and I think that's massively uh, encouraging. Um, the second thing is just the growth of affiliate into different verticals. And I think that's enormous. There's a lot of stuff you know, we're doing a webinar uh, on healthcare. We're going to do one on automotive. Um, we're doing one on CPG. So talking about how, you know, package goods that, you know, are traditionally sold through. Um, sorry about that, Todd. <laughs> I thought I turned everything off. <laughs> All right. It happens every time. You know what I mean? I know. I know. But the second thing that I'm excited about is different verticals. You know, we're doing uh, a webinar on CPG. So consumer packaged goods and how they're starting to be DTC on healthcare and how, you know, things like dental care and uh, insurance are being sold through an affiliate model. We're doing one on automotive, uh, how we kind of think that might be the next big vertical. Uh, and then for me personally, B2B, uh, part of the reason we uh, started MarTech Record is because I've got a strong belief that, you know, SaaS companies like Impact uh, will start selling their products via digital channel. Uh, they're going to start kind of eating the, you know, eating the dog food, as they call it. I'm never good with the analogies, but um, at some point, I, I have a strong belief that a lot of impact sales will come uh, via a review channel. And, uh, you know, we want to be the authority there. We want to be an independent source that does drive traffic to impact and your competitors and does it because we've got independent quality content and we want to live in a world in where the readers trust that, right? And I think we're in that transformation now. I think that the the reason i'm so excited that people are paying for the wire cutter is it shows that consumers are willing to trust reviews that are monetized by affiliate and there's no reason that shouldn't uh, as long as the content is good and so those are the two things i i think about kind of literally every day well and i think you know and i kind of read between all the lines of, of both your topics that you brought up is that content is king right now i mean it is becoming a, a very valuable asset uh the consumer values it you know historically it's it's you know whether you're impact or or you're a retailer uh you're you're trying to acquire a customer through some type of sales and marketing effort which is really you telling them how great you are and that you should you know transact with me and there's a million studies out there that show nobody likes salespeople and nobody likes advertising <laughs> And, you know, it is this independent third party, whether it's a review for chef knives or comparing and contrasting SaaS services that gives that potential consumer of that more information that seems unbiased. It doesn't feel like, uh, you know, I'm hearing it from Todd at Impact or 
uh, somebody who manufactures or sells chef knives. It's really coming from somebody who's used the product or understands the product to explain it to, to a potential buyer. And I think that, again, is is really, really valuable. And it's a big I mean, it's always existed, but it seems like it's kind of become formalized and really shifted to the front. And uh, I mean, companies across the spectrum are embracing it. It's, it's really, yeah. really exciting. Well, I think the kind of three big shifts had to take place and those things take time. One of them was technical, right? You had to develop good tracking and payment and reporting software. Um, one of them, uh, you know, was uh, organizational. Uh, the, the publications themselves had a hundred years of history of, you know, this, you know, church state divide where, you know, no one, no one who was an editor could ever talk to anyone who was a salesperson. And that had to be uh, refigured, you know, and, and then one of them was cultural, right? Consumers had to start seeing different types of content and learning how to trust it. And I think the, the first one, the technical one is, in many ways, uh, you know, pretty advanced. We're at a point where it's not hard to track that someone read something uh, and credit that uh, and pay someone. Um, the organizational uh, shift, uh, I think we're in the middle of it, right? If you really go talk to CNN or Hearst, uh, they're still figuring it out, right? But but they're a heck of a lot farther along than they were two years ago. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to like figure out how to incent your sales team properly. And, you know, that's not something you do overnight. And, um, and also make sure that you hire the right editors and put them in the right spots and make sure they're writing about the right things. Those are not things that just happen uh, overnight. And then you need to create best practices around that. And that's where we come in. We'd love to publish what those best practices are. And then the cultural, cultural one is just to me, like really interesting, right? It's just watching consumers start to be like, you know what, like, Wire cutter is worth spending some money on because I don't want to wade through, you know, pages and pages of Google results and have to figure out for myself, like what, you know, this website I've never heard of, whether it's credible or not. Um, and so, but I think that we're starting to see that, right? I, I was, this weekend was with a bunch of grad school friends and just kind of asking and polling them. And, and they were all like, yeah, I'll pay for wire cutter. I don't want to have to spend extra time figuring out whether this website I've never heard of is any good. And that was the first time I'd heard that. I'd asked them the same question for four straight years of hanging out with these guys. They're all business school guys who, you know, these are guys who work at Amazon and, and uh, Facebook and TikTok. And, you know, for years, they kind of looked at me puzzled, like, why would I do that? And this was the year, like, oh, yeah, reviews. I use those all the time. And it was interesting to see their brain kind of shift uh, unknowingly. But um, so I think we're in the middle of that cultural shift as well. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think COVID may have helped as well, both from you know, this kind of trapped in your home, you know, getting things delivered. <laughs> so you're looking for reviews, maybe more of that came about, but also just seemed like adoption of services. Uh, honestly, before COVID, I did not pay for subscription uh, content news, right? I, I remember, you know, was it the Wall Street Journal um, that was one of the first to do it or something, right? And And thinking, you know, there's so much other information out there that I can consume that I don't have to pay them. And actually during COVID, I subscribed to New York Times, I subscribed to Washington Post, I subscribed to a, a local newspaper because there was so much information that I wanted to stay on top of. And I didn't want to, you know, click on links that I see in a feed and then get blocked at a paywall. And and I think the same, I mean, there's so many services that, that you know, the adoption increase, food delivery and uh, other things that happened due to COVID um, that I think really accelerated a lot of companies 
uh, yeah. business models. So, you know, that's, that's definitely an interesting kind of a uh, sidebar to, to, um, to this growth in, in, in reviews and just gaining the trust of the consumer, yeah. which again, I, I think is really key from a, you know, business standpoint. Like I would love credible people saying that talking about my business that helps potential buyers make informed decisions. Right. Yeah. And if you, as a publisher can, if, if you can illustrate that people are willing to pay for really good content, then you can go do things like raise money, right? And you can go to investors and say, hey, look, there's a business model that exists out there that I can monetize, right? And it's a lot easier to start investing in good editors, right? And, uh, you know, UX design that helps you. And, you know, so as, as, as these models start to grow, it just becomes easier for, for publishers to create, to justify creating good content. You know, I... I think it's back. the Netflix model, right? I mean, Netflix, it's, it's like they don't create content because they, they create it because they have such a large subscriber base. And I think consumers got, especially over COVID, used to <laughs> subscribing to more, more uh, you know, entertainment. And then, then that kind of pivoted to information as well, right? Like, I want that as well, whether I'm reading it or watching it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think about what you were just saying about subscribing to more things over uh, COVID and and again I, and I just came from this weekend of all my grad school buddies and we tend to get into these discussions and we all looked around like how much are you spending a year on content and I, I think the average was like a thousand bucks a year right on like yeah, the journal the Times the you know uh, I subscribed to Business Insider right which is another affiliate mainly affiliate driven site and so. Right. Um, you know, these are just great indicators to me, you know, and that, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, none of this is like new, which is what I find also interesting. I, we talked about this a little before is like, if you go back a hundred years, you know, humans had the same problem as suddenly, uh, you know, you had this age where it was a lot cheaper to distribute content and create content, you know, a hundred years ago. And so there was this proliferation of, you know, periodicals and newspapers and everything, and no one could find anything they wanted. So that's how like, you know, Business Week and Life Magazine came along because they just kind of aggregated these things and then charged subscription fees uh, because people suddenly were like, you know what, I can't find everything I want. I need, I need someone to do it for me. And so I don't, I think we're in the exact same period. Uh, it's just a different type of technology is, you know, consumers are voting with their wallets and saying, you know what, like find it for me. Right. And, and, and build a brand that I trust that, to do that. Right. And, you know, the times and Hearst and, and Meredith and those guys provide that level of, uh, of, of trust. Although we are in a, an age where trust in, in media, uh, a, a whole different issue that we, we won't get into here, but, uh, right. Know. No, yeah. I see what you're saying that. I mean, the, 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 the trust thing is to me key to people subscribing and wanting the access to information in real time. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, that translates to, like I said, the brand has these companies that are creating content about their products and services that have the trust of the consumer. And it's not that advertising and sales model anymore. I mean, those aren't going away, but they're supplementing it. So it's kind of like you have three legs instead of two previously, right? Where it's solely sold sales and marketing, which, you know, digitally, that's really shrunk. I mean, you basically have, if you're a retailer, Amazon and Facebook and, you know, uh, Google and the costs of all these platforms have, have doubled in the last year. I mean, the, the yeah. marketing costs. So it's not, not as easy as it used to be. And so. I mean, I, I think, I think this, what we've been talking about benefits almost everybody. The exception is probably Google and, and Facebook and Amazon because, 
you know, like not to get, you know, too philosophical about it, but, you know, when media companies could only monetize through uh, display advertising, you know, they had to go for clicks, right? They had to get as many clicks as possible. And when you have to get as many clicks as possible, you write headlines to get people to click. And, you know, then you write content to get people to read. And, you know, we kind of all know where that's gone. And if you can, if you can drive subscription revenue, and that's, you know, half of your revenue, uh, then you're forced back to quality, right? You, you've got to deliver, you know, quality content to do that. And so, I, you know, I think that there's not only a benefit to our industry, but to society from creating good content and, and driving subscriptions. So, you know, here we are saving the world, Todd. Who, who knew? Yeah, it feels good. This podcast is brought to you by Impact.com, the leading global partnership management platform. Impact.com is your marketplace to discover and manage all types of partnerships, including affiliates, influencers, B2B partners, and commerce content publishers. Um, so thinking about all this, I mean, what, what's keeping you up at night? There's a lot of good here, but what, what, what's got you kind of a little, little stressed? Well, I mean, you know, there's the just day-to-day running a business, which, uh, as you know, uh, <laughs> is literally everything keeps you a little bit stressed, um, just getting things done. But, you know, more, more broadly is, you know, we've made these bets, right, that, you know, quality content will win, that uh, the B2B space will adopt uh, the affiliate model. And we made bets on timelines that that will happen, right? Like, it's, it's, it's three-dimensional when you make these bets. It's not just one line, right? And so... Um, you know, I worry that, uh, you know, we will be ahead of the game and, you know, not, not kind of be able to capture the value, uh, when we want, you know, uh, those are the bigger things that kind of, I worry and wonder about, but day to day, it's just, you know, will someone show up for the webinar? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know <laughs> how that is. Yeah. Turning on the zoom meeting and being like, well, I hope everyone shows up because uh, I've got a hundred people on the line, you know, uh, that, that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's funny, like. I don't worry too much about it. Like, I, I think we're right. Like, I think, I think the bet you and I are both making on this on, on the quality content is right. Um, you know, I stress every day whether I can actually produce the quality I want, right? I think that's true of any entrepreneur, right? Is you have this idea and vision of what, what the best possible product means. Um, executing it is really hard, right? <laughs> like writing a really good article takes a lot of time and finding the right people to give you quotes takes extraordinary amounts of time. And uh, doing a review of uh, a platform, you know, it's not something you do overnight, right? You, you, you talk to a ton of people and you figure out what works and I worry every day that, you know, the content we create is not good enough. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what keeps me up at night. Well, you know, that's healthy because that pushes you, right? Um, you, you go for excellence as opposed to mediocrity when you, you have that, what you just described. And the one thing, you know, you touched on is, you know, B2B adoption. And, and I, I agree, that's something we're counting on and we're pushing for. And uh, we're drinking our own champagne. You know, we did launch a partnership program recently, and that's starting off really well. We've got a partnership program with uh, Shopify and other e-commerce platforms. So we, we really are focusing on, you know, offsetting or complementing sales and marketing with a partnership program. That's really part of our strategy as well. And you can't really be advocating for it if you're not doing it yourself, right? So, you know, we're definitely focused on that. And I think, um, you know, it's it's happening at, you know, there's always early adopters. I, I remember back in the early 2000s, you know, mobile, mobile is going to be huge. WAP. I mean, this was, was bizarre what was going on in the early days. And it was always the year mobile is next year. 
And then someone, oh, it wasn't last year. It's going to be this year. And it took a while. And then suddenly it's, you don't even talk about it anymore. And it's the same with influencers. You know, influencers was the year of influencers for like, seemed like five years. Right. Now it's not really discussed anymore. So I think, I think we're on that path and it's going to happen. It's just, uh, you know, when do you have enough people doing it to where people kind of go, okay, it's happening. Right. You know. Well, uh, I hope it does uh, sincerely <laughs> because it's the bet I'm making, and I and I think it will. So it's an exciting time, as you said. So I guess I guess got one more thing I want to just touch on before we wrap up. But what what industry dynamics have your attention? Uh, I think that's a good question. I to me, the most interesting kind of thing right now to me is technology that's being developed for publishers. I think that there's been a lot of technology uh, developed for merchants, or at least I should say the better way to put it is the, the R&D and the development work that's gone into platforms like Impact and your competitors and the adjacent businesses have mainly focused on how do we make life easier for an advertiser. Uh, because they have the money. Um, and I, the shift that I think has happened you know, over COVID and because of all the stuff we just talked about is that the publishers have more power now, right? It, it is, it's no longer a one-to-one -one thing where you're finding a coupon or a deal site, right? It's, you know, the whole, uh, you know, funnel is now being represented and the publishers have uh, a lot of power uh, that are much more than they did. And so anytime, you know, power shifts, money shifts, anytime money shifts, uh, investors start to figure out uh, where to, where to, fund. And I think that you're going to see a lot of investor money pile into uh, companies that are helping publishers figure out how to monetize their content. And so that's, that's, that's my little guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's more complex than I think most people realize on the surface going and reading one of those reviews. There's a lot of moving pieces here uh, for those publishers to really, you know, squeeze the revenue opportunity out of all this content. I mean, the, the, it, there's, there's more there yeah. than I mean, there already is. Where the market has identified that there's a lot of value in doing that, right? But we're not at the stage where we've figured out how to properly scale it, right? And that's technology. And so I think you're going to start to see a lot of businesses getting funded that help scale uh, the reviews or the production of the production and distribution of, of these reviews. Um, and that's, you know, if anyone out there listening has a product that can help, I could sure use some, some scale. So give me a call. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I know Impact does. I won't get into that right now, but we're definitely focused on that as well. I think that's been another big shift from our business. Like you pointed out, you know, we were focused on selling to the merchant, the retailer, the advertiser. They were licensing our software. They were paying. They were paying my salary. And, you know, the publisher side were, you know, making money as well, but there wasn't really anything being sold to them. Uh, same with the agency side, you know, that left to their own devices. Some of them built built some stop gaps and some solutions on top of this, but really being able to bring those kind of solutions to market um, and really put the R&D into it. That's really where I think things get yeah. to scale for everyone, right? Like if everybody built their own affiliate tracking platform, every retailer like Amazon did back in the late 90s, we probably wouldn't even be having a podcast right now. It just would have never been able to mature because it would have been too fragmented, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the same thing will happen on the publisher side uh, as well. You probably know more about it than I do. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Well, we'll have more to talk about it in future podcasts. Uh, so I want to wrap up here. And I just one kind of quick question I'm just interested to hear from you is who has been a mentor or influential to you in your career that you'd like to call out? 
Um, wow, great question. There's been a lot of uh, great uh, people. Someone who's been helping me recently is a woman named Laura Viscusi, who uh, was a publisher, the publisher of uh, Architectural Record. Uh, and, you know, I think we all think that the, the model of publishing has fundamentally changed, right? And the truth is it hasn't changed at all. The technology has changed. And so you can go back and ask, you know, the people who were successfully running uh, publications 20 years ago, and, you know, the really smart ones like Laura, are the ones that can boil down to the fundamentals and not worry so much about the technology. And so finding those people and, uh, you know, picking their brains about how to, how to scale up this business uh, is incredibly valuable. So uh, Laura is one. Uh, Adam Weiss, who is in the, the technology and the, the affiliate space, has been incredibly helpful uh, as uh, an endemic guy who understands affiliate better than uh, almost anyone. I say to everyone that I don't really uh, know much about affiliate, and that's that's true. Uh, the way I solve that is finding guys like Adam, uh, who can help me uh, understand the industry better. Uh, and then I'm sure there's, I know there's a lot of people I haven't mentioned here, but you're, you're one of them. Uh, well, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to mention everyone. I'm just interested, in, you know, especially yeah. growing, like you said, Martech Record. I think I, I really, like I said, appreciate what you're doing. You kind of came on the scene and. Uh, you know, made a presence very quickly. So, you know, that's not easy to do. And um, so, you know, I do appreciate what you're doing there. And I'm glad that, you know, you've found people that you can rely on to, to help because it, it's not easy, you know, doing anything by yourself or you get into that group thing too, like, you know, having outside perspective. And I think What's interesting, like I said, it's good that you don't know a lot about affiliate because you bring a perspective that's maybe a little more skeptical or a little more open-minded in just kind of figuring it all out. I hope so. And uh, it, I mean, the business would not have been able to grow without you know all these other people. Uh, and so I, I'm sure, I hope some of them are listening and, and know how much they've meant to me as, as I built this. Uh, I, it literally does not exist unless people don't pick up the phone, uh, especially in those first six months when you're just trying to call and say, hey, can I have a conversation about something you've never heard of? Uh, so one thing I would say, if anyone's listening out there and someone calls and says, I have a business idea, I'd love to run by you. Just picking up the phone means more than you could uh, imagine to them. So uh, thank you to everyone who's done that for me. Awesome. So if anybody's interested in learning more about MarTech Record, what's the best way for them to find out more information or to get involved and participate? Yeah, well, you know, obviously martechrecord.com is, is the website. On there, you can sign up for uh, our newsletter. Uh, if you'd like to be added to our Slack group, you can email me directly uh, and uh, mcnerney at martechrecord.com um, or just through the site. Uh, there's you know, email links there. Um, the Slack groups where a lot of the, the kind of conversation happens. Um, but yeah, head to martechrecord.com and, and just hit the sign up button. You'll be involved. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Mike. That was great having you on and sharing some of your thoughts. Uh, Really appreciate you participating today in the Partnership Economy podcast. And everyone, please stay tuned for more interesting conversations on future podcasts. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. I had a blast. It was great to chat. Yep. <laughs>